0: Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. I'm in a completely different location today. I am actually for the next 10 days in Monica, my partner Monica's flat in Ipswich, which is a town on the east coast of England. So we'll be here, a bit of cat sitting and a bit of exploring the local area, which is a nice excuse really, for a bit of a change of scenery, which felt like I've needed during these COVID times with all the difficulties that you have getting all the certification the paperwork and stuff it just feels nice to get a change of scenery and not have to worry although I am double jabbed now and it has been two weeks since I've been double jabbed so in theory in theory I can actually go on holiday without too much paperwork but I'm just so happy to be in a A different location, bit of a change of scenery. I rode up the Bonneville probably about five or six days ago now. So we've already done our first couple of rides. Monica and I, I've been on a solo ride as well. And it's just just such a big difference. Because where I live in South East London, it honestly takes, it probably takes about 35 minutes, absolute minimum, to get anywhere where I would class as relatively nice countryside and, and that is 35 minutes of non-stop boring not pretty urban riding just to get outside the m25 which is the big motorway surrounding london and get on some nice roads but here here in ipswich it's three minutes to get to a beautiful winding country road following along a river that eventually leads to the sea it's five minutes to do that and It's really opened my eyes what it's like just being a bit out of the city. It's a really nice lifestyle. It's much more chilled out. It just lends itself to that quality of life so much better. I really like it so much so that hmm, I would actually consider I'd consider it. I'd consider moving out of where we currently are just to get a bit more space not just space for the property but also where you physically live I really like it so I'm enjoying myself massively but about a week ago just before I left actually just before Monica and I left for Ipswich we went for a ride into London rode in with the Bonneville parked up at a motorcycle bay and I locked the bike with a single chain and through that chain I put both of my helmets well my helmet and Monica's helmets and then we looped that chain with the two helmets through onto a bar so the bike was attached to a bar with the two helmets through them and I had I actually had someone on YouTube messaging me and they said to me Freddie I don't like to say it but the exact the exact motorcycle bay where you parked your motorbike, there was an attempted theft of a Honda Africa twin on that exact day, about three hours later. And it was in the news. So I said, I thanked him. I said, thank you so much for sending this over. Incredibly interesting. And then I got onto Google and had a look. And it's true. I had a look at the pictures. It's exactly the place. And I'm reading this from the Daily Mail exclusive. The moment a cyclist confronts an angle grinder wielding... Uh, confronts angle grinder wielding thieves As they try, try to steal A 13,000 pound motorcycle Off an East London street in broad daylight uh, it's, Do you know the worst thing? I'm not even surprised But basically just looking at the Daily Daily Mail's website Footage shows uh, the, the men being confronted There were three men They had a van next to them Two of them were on scooters They had an angle grinder And you know, the most interesting thing for me is that, see if I can find it, I'm watching a video of it now, and it's just broad daylight, two guys on mopeds. And the interesting thing for me is that the Honda Africa twin had three locks on it. They'd managed to angle grind through two locks, but they didn't have enough time to angle grind through the third lock before people were calling police and a crowd had formed. So they ended up I don't know why they do it but they ended up pushing the Africa Twin onto the floor but they didn't manage to steal the bike and I can see here there's still a lock on the bike but the locks attaching the bike to the security bar which is anchored to the ground they're cut they're gone but there's still another lock on the bike so three locks That's a really good advert for having as many locks on your bike as possible because it's because of that third lock that this Africa Twin wasn't stolen. What's also interesting, I don't know if it's interesting, but it's a point to make, is that I know this parking bay extremely well because I was there earlier. There was a Harley Davidson 883 Sportster there, but apart from that, most of them were fairly cheap little 125 and 250cc bikes. And of course... I'm stating the obvious here but it does make absolute sense yes you've got to have security on your bike but of course these thieves will target the expensive bikes there's no point in them going for a 2k bike and trying to get three locks off it if you're going to risk potentially your freedom for a few months if you get locked up and get a criminal record you at least want to make some money from it And I can tell 100%, or I know 100%, that at least when I was there, that would have been, I mean, the Harley would probably be worth about 5, 6k, but that Africa Twin would have been, by a gigantic distance, the most expensive bike there. But well done to the people there, because it was thanks to the people surrounding them calling the police that they didn't actually manage to steal the bike. Ah, What's the world? What's London coming to? It's been like this for a long time, something needs to change. I always talk about security, but it never seems to improve. Moving on. My uncle, who who is actually a well, he was a biker. He's had he's had some nice bikes in his time. He had the big Honda touring bikes. And and I remember as a child him always riding up with these big, big CC Japanese sports touring bikes. Um, to go for you know meet us for a couple of days in Southwold by the coast or something always loved his bikes and he just shared an article with me which i didn't know about and i found extremely interesting and that's about harley davidson's new ceo a man called jochen zeitz and this is a very very interesting man because harley have been struggling at the moment I'm just having a look through some of their figures. They've been, their sales have not been great. And even in, it's, I don't know if it's worrying yet, but their sales haven't been great at all. And they're trying everything they can to kind of re-energize, reinvigorate the company. So what have they done? They've brought on, (laughs) they brought on a character who started off, I think basically he didn't get the grades to go into medical school. So he ended up going into or doing a, a university degree in business and marketing from what I can see. And I think I think if I remember correctly he's a German or Swiss guy. And he ended up heading off to the US because he thought that's where he's going to make his fortune and he started off working for Colgate in branding I think and then after Colgate he ended up going to Puma. And it was at Puma that he basically, he he is a German, he took charge of Puma and in his 15 years, in his 15 years at Puma, the share price skyrocketed 4000%, a 4000% share price increase in his 15 year tenure at the company. And I'm getting this from the Sunday Times. Very, very interesting article. He then, I think he then after that, after Puma, he ended up heading off and relocating to Kenya where he's got a few different interests. And I think he's got a huge ranch ranch in Kenya. He's also eco-conscious. So it's an interesting move by Harley, but it really shows the the new direction, the push they're going in because this is a gigantic, change for them and it would not be the traditional the traditional Harley Davidson CEO the traditional type of person that you'd expect to take over a company like this and I've been reading a bit about about what he's been saying and it is extremely interesting he's got a few interesting bits one of them is just reading here talking about Germany and his upbringing things like that one of them is about um, the sports to and how they're they're really pushing it as being the the kind of muscle bike in the segment and another interesting bit is about electric bikes and i 'm quoting here from The Sunday Times electric bikes are aimed at urban riders because motorcycles can house only small batteries and therefore have limited range. The live wire can only go a hundred and fifty miles between charges I find that interesting because he seems very clear on the limitations of electric bikes and it sounds like he sees electric bikes purely as city transportation as opposed to really trying to to push grow evolve electric motorcycles to take over the the entire range of bikes it sounds possibly like he still sees a place for electric or for petrol powered motorcycles as the big touring bikes so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that listen to this this is an interesting bit and i'm quoting here zeitz is tackling harley davidson's crisis as he did pumas he slashed costs and axed jobs about 14 percent of the company's workforce including the entire senior leadership team It's a complete overhaul, he says. I've made the organisation lean and mean. It was way too slow, not flexible enough. He's cut the number of bike models by a third and quit dozens of markets, notably India. Step two was to make Harley Davidson hip. It's a very cool brand, Zeitz insists, chewing on his Teutonic valves. It has all of the authentic values of motorcycling and Americana. It's the only, it's the one and only American consumer icon since thankfully the Mulverman I cannot wait to see what's happening and the Pan America. I think if I'm right in saying will be his first bike that he'll be launching as the CEO and looks like that's a very well it's going to be a very very successful bike so I can't wait to see what happens in the future but definitely Harley Davidson doing a huge push away from the norm in their book and you may remember Last week, I I touched upon BMW R90 ownership costs, um, and I wanted to see if some people kind of wanted to have their input, BMW owners, and very gratefully, I got a few people emailing me, sending me some messages over to the website just to let me know, and... It seems to be a fairly common consensus from owners that, yes, maintenance costs are high for BMWs. A couple of owners said that, yeah, they can be eye-wateringly high. But, and this is a big but, and I do agree with them completely, the residual values of BMW r 9 BMWs in general, they are far, far superior to a lot of other motorcycles for example the Japanese motorcycles they are often superb value and superb quality motorbikes they're really really good and I'm a huge fan but BMWs will hold the value much better than a Japanese motorcycle so you pay more for the bike if it's a BMW you pay more for maintenance costs but you will keep those residual values and in fact it's not just keeping the residual values for eight to ten years or even for three to four years when you come to sell it in eight to ten years they'll still be great and even if you like to keep your bikes for a gigantic period of your riding life whether that's 20 or 25 or 30 years the residual values are quite mind-blowing how well they, they maintain their value. If you get, especially one of the popular models, let's say the R9Ts, things like that, they, they drop very little in value. And if you look at the history, if you look at the old model, I think they call them the BMW R100s, those types of bikes, you know the bikes that they love to Cafe Racer, the really classic looking bikes, still worth a huge amount of money. They're some of the most desirable classic motorcycles, most in-demand motorcycles that you can get so yes you're going to be paying more for your bmw and maintenance costs but as close as possible nothing's a guarantee in this world but you are going to be guaranteed that you have a bike that's always worth a considerable chunk of money for however long you decide to keep it and another owner did touch on a point uh, saying that it may make the and i'll be honest i've never taken a kind of a finance from a dealer, so I don't know, but I think something like PCP, you know, the repayments, they can often be a bit less because BMW know that their bikes are going to be holding their value for for a lot longer than other bike manufacturers. So that may make the monthly repayments less. I don't know if I'm if it's right or wrong because I'm not knowledgeable enough about it, but I guess it makes sense and it's a very, very interesting point. So thank you so much everyone who sent me in there their input about it actually one of the owners one of the owners did say that just checking here did say that he's got a bmw gs just had to replace the rear shock and i think that's about 900 pounds so you can get high high bills with the bmw so just make sure if you're looking into motorbikes if you're kind of buying more on the budget level just be aware of those maintenance costs but uh, there's no question at all they're absolute dream bikes i what did i do recently oh it was actually from my youtube video when i went into london same time that the bike was stolen i had someone basically i went through a list of all of the bikes i showed all of the bikes in the motorcycle parking bay where we parked up just to give a good example about what london motorcycle commuter bikes are like and what people like so i always find it interesting Um i hope it's not just me but wherever i go i always like to see what kind of bikes what kind of cars are there what do real people use it's always really interesting and i found a bike that i'm a big fan of and that's the yamaha ybr 125cc i've ridden one before they're brilliant bikes i think they look really good and they're just Simple, no-nonsense, honest modes of transport, and it's my kind of machine. I just love something that can mobilize the masses, and it's stripped back to basics. It's designed for, for everyday normal people who can't break the bank with a kind of a passion purchase. They need it as a genuine, viable mode of transport, and that's what the Yamaha YBR 125cc is. And I love bikes that or any vehicle that kind of bucks the trend and proves that almost any vehicle can be used for anything and also vehicles are much tougher and much much stronger than we often give them credit for and they can do much higher mileage than we often think they can. So I had a comment on my YouTube video. Someone said YBR, my first bike from 2007. I bought it new. It's undergone it's undergone a series of modifications in the years. It's still this is brilliant! It's still my daily commuter. Bought it in 2007, brand new. Still my daily commuter, 14 years on. Weekends sometimes too. So he often still uses it on the weekends as a bit of fun. I've also taught three people to ride on it so far, and I've done 74,000 kilometres, or 45,000 miles on it, and it's still running great. These are the exact stories I love. They're absolutely brilliant, and taught three people to ride on it. Just the stories that you get with uh, with bikes in general. I just I just love it. It's brilliant. That's what biking's all about. Like, get this bike gets you into biking, it gets you to work, it teaches others to bike, and it just gives you stories that you'll never forget. Now I've had something here. I've had a few questions over probably over the course of the past few months and some of the most popular the most popular requests i've had are for royal enfield tests test a royal enfield on youtube i've tested a lot of royal enfields but unfortunately all of them all of them were before i started youtube and i get a lot of requests saying can you test the different royal enfields on youtube and also for a podcast can you just chat about the different Royal Enfields you've ridden which one you would recommend and which is your favourite and that's a perfect perfect opportunity because I've ridden four of them I've written the the brand new Interceptor brand new Continental GT the Himalayan and also the Classic and Royal Enfields I'll say one thing from the outset. Royal Enfields in general are some of my absolute favourite bikes. They represent everything that I love in motorcycling because I love motorcycle, I love all bikes, but the bikes that I absolutely love are the ones that are really attainable for the massive. They're, they're a genuine, they're a viable mode of transport and you can go out there and justify buying a Royal Enfield as a viable mode of transport over a car, but when you're looking at a motorbike over probably over about nine thousand pounds eight or nine thousand pounds, it's hard to justify it with common sense over a car because it's very close to the price of a budget car like a a Dacia, for example. but when you're down below about six k let's say between four to six k you're saving gigantic amounts of money on a car, and also it's of course the added ease of filtering through traffic commuting and things like that so it's a viable mode of transport whereas once you get up to the the more expensive premium bikes the the Bonneville t one twenty the r nine t s you know the big touring bikes at twelve k plus ten twelve k plus it's more of a passionate purchase, and I completely get that and i I would do exactly the same um My point just is that these Himalayans or these Royal fields, not only are they they bikes, their bikes that are really, genuinely, really cool, but also they are they make financial sense and they open up biking to the masses. And I really like that about them. So, if we look at them, the Interceptor, and I tell you what we're going to do first, let's do the Interceptor and the Continental GT because these are the headline-making bikes. The 650, same engine roughly pretty much exactly the same just the continental has the clip-on bars slightly harder seat and it's just it's the cafe racer version and if you're looking at the interceptor, brand new 5,899 they're still the thing i love about them since they came out they're still not going up that much in value obviously with inflation things like that they always have to but they're still staying below 6,000 and right from the off Six, four, or £5,900 for a Royal Enfield Himalayan is a Royal Enfield Interceptor is absolutely superb value. And if I look online now for an Interceptor, 5900 brand new or used. I, I almost can't believe I'm saying this. I just need to make sure I've got all of the correct details Because I can't, actually. I don't know if they're so popular. They may be so popular that they are currently none available. Because I am finding... Wow. I'm actually not finding any discount at all on Interceptors. They They are pretty much exactly the same price at the moment. Used as they are new. I can't believe that. That is... That's eye opening, actually, let me just have a look at this. Let me make sure I'm doing this right because if that's the case, I know they hold their values extremely well. The royal anfields let's say if it's five thousand nine hundred pounds uh here we go, here we go. let's just refresh this search. Here we go, here we go, got it. okay, Four and a half k for a twenty nineteen model, the cheapest one I can find now, four thousand five hundred pounds so They've come down in value 1,300 pounds, 1,300 pounds in two years. Uh, that that is, They keep their value incredibly well. That is a brilliant buy. They're such a good buy. If you can, if you can stretch the extra, just buy a new one. They're such good value. Buy a brand new Interceptor for 5,800 pounds. I cannot tell you how much I love these bikes, the Interceptors, You're not even gonna lose money, plus you get the warranty with it if you buy brand new. It's it's a superb bike. If you make me choose between the Interceptor and the Continental, and I've ridden the Interceptor for a thousand miles in one month when I test rode it last year, and I rode the Continental for about four hundred miles, purely because it only had a single seat, so I couldn't go with Monaco to as many places. My preference and it's it's an easy choice in my mind for the type of riding that suits me the interceptor it's a much more comfortable bike. the rear seat is more comfortable, and I like that I like that sit up vibe where you can just enjoy the ride look around the continental much more aggressive with those bars. Those bars completely transform the bike it's not that the continental's faster it's just that it transforms it so for long rides, an hour plus. On the Continental, I remember finding myself having to mentally prepare for that ride. Like, okay, come on, Fred, get ready, get ready, you can do it. One hour ride in a constant, like, kind of, I felt like an Isle of Man TT racer from the 1940s or something like that. That hunched down, really cramped riding position. It's a really cool, fun bike, it's brilliant. I love the Continental, but for my kind of riding, I just prefer the extra space and comfort that the interceptor gives you so if i had to choose i would go with the interceptor but the continental itself is still great value 6099 pounds just edged up over the 6k mark it's about it's probably about three two two hundred pounds more than the interceptor and if you look at used prices for the continental in fact actually yeah use prices for the continental of course they've got the older model continental as well and I'll get on to that in a second but for the 650 continental use prices come in at let's have a look at this well they keep their value very very well indeed they're keeping their value just like the interceptors the continentals it's it's quite interesting you're not going to get a massive amount off those at all i'm seeing about five six hundred pound reduction from what i can see at the moment so again if you can stretch the extra money and also maybe even just get get the finance from royal enfield itself walk into a royal enfield dealership just get them to sort the finance as well just get absolutely everything sorted in one place just for complete ease of mind and they're stunning bikes i'm on the website now the interceptors they've got a great new color scheme available they really are stunning if you're looking at the continental 650 bear in mind that unlike the interceptor the continental gt has been out for a few years in the uk at least it's been out for about six years but it had the 535 cc engine So it won't be as fast. It's 29 horsepower as opposed to, I think, about 44 horsepower for the Interceptor and Continental GT650. But if you look at the 535cc Continental from 2015, you can get one of those for £3,500 with about 4,000 miles on the clock. They look superb. They're brilliant, brilliant looking bikes. They're not a million miles off the 650 engine. They don't look quite as good, I'll be honest, but they do look good. And I tell you what, that would be that would be a potential pick for me if I had about a three and a half K budget for a motorbike. I would be seriously considering that. Let me talk about power quickly, because if you're looking at one of these 650 twins Royal Enfields with about 44 horsepower, if I remember correctly, it is plenty of power riding around i i rode i've ridden over one and a half thousand miles on them i never ever had an issue the power is brilliant it's the perfect amount really it really is it's very close to the perfect amount of power for real roads and you can push it to the limit and biking's more fun at the limit so i remember so many times you know you're pushing you're getting it right up to the top of the edge, quickly changing to keep the power there you've really got to think about it it's so engaging because. If you, for example, if you make a slightly wrong gear change or you stay in a gear a bit too slow amount of time, you may then have to drop back and every gear change is important. Every time you change, the exact point at which you change is important. It's so involving because of that amount of power, you want to eke out every single horsepower from the engine and it makes it incredibly involving. Every time you get to a bend, every roundabout you go around, you want to be at the exact right line for that bend or that roundabout. Because if you're not at the right line for that bend or roundabout, you're going to lose time. You're going to lose speed. And I cannot tell you how involving it is having a bike like that. Whereas, for example, my old Triumph Speed Triple with 130 horsepower, you get lazy. You do. Because you can go into a bend in a corner, you take it pathetically badly like I often do it doesn't matter because you'll be up to 100 miles an hour in about three seconds before you know it but it's very very different with the Royal Enfield 650s and I, I really like that about it but there was one time when I was riding the Interceptor and I was with a friend of mine he was on his Kawasaki Z900 with about 130 horsepower and I was on the 44 horsepower I think it was the Continental GT And 90% of riding is absolutely fine. I was keeping up perfectly and I thought, well, this is perfect, no issue. But we were coming out of one roundabout. uh, And on the bends, it's fine, you can keep up. But out of the roundabout, he decided to accelerate as hard as he could. And I accelerated to try and keep up. And he was beyond the horizon, beyond the horizon within about 10 seconds. I actually couldn't see him. So if you're gunning it on fast sweeping bends or open straights, you'll be left extremely quickly by probably any bike with more than more than about 70, 60 or 70 horsepower, you will be left very quickly because that extra horsepower does make a difference. But that is no reason not to buy these bikes. They're absolutely superb. I can't recommend them highly enough. The Intercept would be my pick, but they're both amazing. Some of the most fun, just pure riding pleasure I've ever had. And here's here's a curveball for you. A bike that's £4,899, 500cc. For me, one of the coolest looking bikes on the market. Ridiculously old school in the best possible way. And that's the Royal Enfield Classic 500. It's not a bike that a lot of people consider, but it's superb value and it looks it just takes you back in time. I rode one briefly a year ago, and it's just absolute pure riding pleasure. It's, you feel like you're back in the 1950s. It's not powerful, but it's got enough power to enjoy. And on the winding country lanes, I was riding around with a few other Royal Enfield owners. I could not have had a better time. You don't want any more power. The thing with power is, if you're riding around, with friends on similarly powered bikes it's perfect so if i'm riding around with a whole load of other royal enfield classic owners i don't want any more power that's perfect the only reason you want more power is because everyone else is is getting 100 horsepower plus bikes that make you look like a fool but if you're riding around similarly powered bikes I, I didn't want any more power. I was having the time of my life on the country lanes with the classic 500. So if you're looking for a bike, there's just no nonsense, pure riding pleasure. It's not quick, but my, my Lord, it will make you happy every day. Really have a look at the classic 500. It's a bike that I would very seriously consider as a second bike, just as a bit of fun. And at about 4,800 pounds, brand new, or... Let me tell you what the price of these is secondhand if I can find one. I mean, again, it's just, it really is incredible how well they hold their values. Let's have a look at this, the Classic, which is very similar to the Bullet. You can get a Royal Enfield Classic used for about £3,600 and actually brand new, they're about £4,500. So they come down in value. They come down in value about, about. 900 pounds in two years or the second cheapest the second cheapest royal enfield classic that retails at about four and a half k new the second cheapest is four thousand two hundred pounds it's incredible absolutely incredible value in fact here we go brand new brand new you can get if you go for the basic color brand new. you can get a bullet 500 royal enfield bullet 500 for 4200 pounds that is mind-blowingly good value. Mind-blowingly good value. I'd really consider that. Used prices, I don't even know how that works. The used prices are the same. 2013 Royal Enfield Classic, 27 horsepower, 6,000 miles, 4,200 pounds. 4,200 pounds for an eight-year-old bike, or you get a brand new one for 4,200 pounds. Have a look at those. Have a look at the the Bullet 500s. If you're just up for a bike that... It's completely simple. It makes you feel happy every day. You, you cannot go wrong with those. I love them. I'll, I'll tell you something, and I'll be completely honest with you. When I was out on a ride with a few Royal Enfield owners, one of them had a, a bike on test. It was a two-year-old classic 500, and I was lucky enough to ride it, and it's amazing. But... <laughs> i don't know if there's something wrong with the battery but he said he couldn't get it started with the key ignition so he had to kick start it that's right a a brand new bike these bikes they come with kickstart. i think they still even do but at least as far as i know and i do know this a two-year-old one had a kick start imagine that a brand new bike with a kick start incredible I don't know why it makes me love it even more and the final one in fact I'm running over a bit but let me get on to the final one this is a bike I as with all of them absolutely love the Royal Enfield Himalayan 440cc bike £4,600 for the cheapest base model bike this bike blew my mind it's got about 24 horsepower it comes as standard with crash bars on the side and it is Built to traverse the Himalayas. I cannot imagine a cooler bike than that. On the roads, it will get to 70, 75 miles an hour. On the motorways, no issue at at all. It will get to 70, 75. It won't go faster, but it will get there. It's a bike that feels completely agricultural. There's nothing refined. There's nothing fancy about it. It's actually got a compass built into it, just for a bit of extra fun. The brakes aren't brilliant, and I'm saying all of that, and I just don't care, it's, I, I took it on long road trips, I took it green laning, it's the most fun, possibly along with the Mutt Mastiff, it's the most fun I've ever had green laning, off-roading in my life, and the reason being, it's a proper rugged bike, it comes as standard with a crash bar, it's got the high suspension, it's, it's not too heavy, it's not super light, but it's not too heavy, and at four thousand six hundred pounds with the rugged nature of it you don't care if you drop it you can manhandle it it's it's actually funny if you drop it it's the kind of bike that looks better dented if something breaks it's going to be cheap to maintain it's going to be simple and easy to maintain i can't recommend a a bike for fun with a bit of off-roading more than the royal enfield himalayan it's it's a bike that I, I would really genuinely hand on heart, love to own. And I've actually now said that about every single Royal Enfield I've just been discussing. It's it's just... When I was off-roading that Royal Enfield, and you can go touring on it, no issue. I know people touring the world on it. You can go touring on it. That's, that's 100%. You can go anywhere. That bike will take you anywhere. But then you can also take it off-roading. And I remember just off-roading it. I could point it in any direction and it would just get there. And I took the exact same to the exact same spot I took the triumph twelve hundred x c off roading and it was the exact same slope that I was smashing through on the himalayan and I took the the twelve thousand pound triumph twelve hundred x c there and I didn't have the the guts to take it down and then back up the same slope. I didn't have the guts to do the same with the Triumph 1200 Scrambler. One, because it had dual sport tyres, I didn't trust it would make it back up the other side. Two, and two, the big one, it's too damn nice. It's too nice a bike. I was scared to damage the big Triumph Scrambler. I was scared to damage it. I was scared that manhandling may... I mean, it's a tough bike, but it just felt too nice. Whereas the Himalayan, I was just ripping it around the place. And also the 1200 scrambler the reality is it's of course it's way too much horsepower for off-roading that bike is a beast whereas with the himalayan with 24 horsepower so i was redlining it while off-roading and you have no idea how fun it is being able to redline a bike while off-roading it transforms the experience when you can manhandle it like that the best bike i've ever i've ever ridden for off-roading it's superb And that's it. I've gone a bit over today, but thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Have a brilliant week, and I'll see you in the next one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus,